This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. What are we all drinking? Shall I go first? Yes. Who's that voice that everyone hears all the time? Who's that girl? It's Jess. (laughs) (laughs) I am drinking a cranberry whiskey sour with some fresh lemon juice and a little bit of sugar and rye, uh, rye whiskey and uh, cranberry juice. I love how he still doesn't tell us who he is. He's just like, I'm just going to let you know my drink and that's it. Yeah. Mystery man in the corner. <laughs> it's me, y'all. I'm back. So so festive, so mysterious. What are you drinking, Shale? I had a super anxious day. So I was just like, I need something to just calm the mind. So I'm drinking some tea per the usual. And it <laughs> is a little mix of Damiana and lavender which are both very calming and soothing to the anxious mind. And then I add a little bit of honey that I brought home from Ireland. A little cozy cup. A little Irish magic. What are you drinking, Cheyenne? I am drinking a gigantic mason jar of, can you hear that? That's good ASMR. Yes, I can hear that. Oh, that's my ice. Um, I I used one of the big jars today, Um, but I'm drinking a holiday spiced wassail. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, with some spanked rosemary and some lime. It's like my go-to drink right now. That sounds delicious. Spanked rosemary. (laughs) That's the only way you taste it. Mm -hmm. Also, we love a slutty herb. (laughs) We do. We do. (laughs) <laughs> you're drinking damiana that's a slutty herb she is a slutty herb in the best way <laughs> what's her flavor profile Ooh, very aromatic okay. it's almost kind of hard to describe it's almost like if you made sage very floral Ooh. The best way I would describe it <laughs> what does I, I don't even know what she looks like what does she look like she is a flower i'm okay. actually not super familiar with her it's um an herb that we're apprenticing or not apprenticing, we are allying with in my apprenticeship, but I believe she comes from like Central and South America, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, a big, beautiful yellow flower, I think is what she looks like. Pretty. That's awesome. Are we ready for a card before we jump into? I love how I'm just like taking over. This is not even. Yes. No, take over. (laughs) Oh, here, look, I got my video working. Yes. People are wondering who the mystery man is. Oh, yeah. I forgot to help you with that. (laughs) We have Jeremy from When Walls Can Talk. He's here in the flesh. You heard him last week. He mimics ghosts. (laughs) All things ghosts. They he is the ghost. They interrupt my recordings. <laughs> mm-hmm. They whisper things. Oh my God. Oh, wait. I don't know if I told you about this yet, actually. the oh, it's a ep- ghost story. Yeah. The episode that's coming out. Sorry, I'm like, this is another shameless plug for <clears> the podcast. <throat> um, so not this coming weekend, but the weekend after when we do the episode on the Akashic Record with Mina. 
spoilers, that will be the episode. Um, there are about three crystal clear EVPs in the recording. I sent all of them over to Mina. She freaked out. I'm not going to tell anybody where they are, but they are clear. If you're listening and paying attention, you will hear them. We can't settle on what they're saying. So we need every, we need everyone to like listen, find them, and then see what read you get. Um, one of them's really hard because literally this like deep man's voice is talking alongside Mina and it's kind of creepy. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. And then the other one's in like a pause, like in a silence pause. But we had like little ones come up when we did our Roseance together ages ago. But this is like the clearest where it's like, wah, 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 several words, sentence, and we still can't figure out what it is. So, oh, I'm so speaking of it's crazy. Wow. Crazy. I'm excited. Yeah. That'll be sweet. Oh. <laughs> that was a long one. That one sounded like a fart. I like, was looking at Cheyenne's screen <laughs> first and looked over at Jerry. She's like, <laughs> just very over <laughs> while I did it. That was hysterical. <laughs> I threw up. Okay. Um, I wanted to change it up because I wanted to use a deck that I've had for a while. It's an Oracle deck, but I am not like super, super connected to it yet. We're kind of getting to know each other. And I hoped that maybe it'd be okay if I pulled from that one for this episode. Does that sound okay? Yes. Have absolutely. The in. Perfect. I so love it when people do my job for me. Yeah. That's not true. I actually hate it when people do my job for me. That's, <laughs> That's a problem at my job. <laughs> okay. But I'm happy to give give it over to the expert today. Do we have a jumper? Do we have a jumper? Oh, yes, we do. Okay. All right. Are we ready for a card? Our Oracle yes. card? This is postcards from Liminal Space. Tonight feels like an Oracle card night. And it does. Uh, I love how big and esoteric they are. So I'll, I'll read it uh, right out of the book because I think they are really good at leaving you with like little breadcrumbs that you get to pick through and find the magic and all of it. Oh my God, our card is live a fantasy. Yes, the whole world's a stage, baby. Let's see what they have for it. I'm really if bad. If you're not living your life pretending like you're the main character in a movie, then you're not living your life as far as I'm concerned. That would make sense why I was so anxious today. I think I lost sight of that a little bit. <laughs> right? You're the main character, bitch. Remember. Sometimes it feels like you get buffeted about. And that's a really good reminder. Our description right out of the book is live a fantasy. Fantasy adds a certain levity to situations that require grand measures. The magician understands the value of creating an environment to facilitate an experience. However, the safe use of fantasy requires that it yield to reality whenever necessary. No, I refuse. <laughs> Shant. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I love the little card to start with. That's awesome considering um, it's funny that we pulled an Oracle card because we're actually going to be talking about tarot today. We've had you I on the podcast. That. That's super ironic. <laughs> right? Like we've had a tarot expert on the podcast multiple times. Excuse me. We haven't actually really talked about tarot. That's so true. that's kind of that's kind of fun and um in juxtaposition with that too because I think a lot of times when you're thinking of tarot especially if you're new to it or it's not something you have a lot of experience with you tend to you're using these like pop culture references right or these really kind of surface level archetypes to decipher these things and a lot of it can feel very fantastical or yeah. you know like make believe um so it's just that's fun I like that that's so true. And I think if we're going to talk at all, which I, I believe we're going to talk a little bit about how 
um, I even started doing tarot in the first place. That's kind of how that life began. At least for me, that was the feeling. I'm excited to talk about tarot today. I feel a little bit like I now understand the shoes that were on Shale's feet talking about herbalism the other day because it's, I, I feel a little nervous. I feel a little anxious. <laughs> just, right. just because whenever you sit down and like own an identity, identity as any level of expert about something, there's a terrible amount of imposter syndrome that comes with that. Um, and also when you're trying to, to instruct or teach anybody, uh, there's always that little voice that's like, what, like, who am I to do this? What, like, what, oh, what, totally. what, um, but it's, it's a great, I, I think it's a great thing to be asked every once in a while to stop and talk about something that you're super passionate about, um, and kind of explain it to other people because it helps you kind of crack something open. Yeah. That's, that's also like kind of a check-in, right? Like it's a check-in to see maybe where you can absorb more or seeing what is like really reflecting in you and what path you're on. Right. Totally. I think just being able to check in in that way is really special too. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny just when we talk about things like imposter syndrome too, I have a feeling we're going to find our perwitchin slip somewhere in this conversation. I do too. Um, but it's like, so I have an opportunity right now. I'm working on scoping a rather large um, project in my freelance life as a once upon a time journalist. And I was like writing this email and scoping the project and had a crazy amount of imposter syndrome going into it. And was just like, like who the, who the heck is this girl? Like, how do you, how am I qualified to do any of this? Even though I'm absolutely qualified because I listed all the reasons why in this email, but I went back and was rereading it today. And I was like, wow, I have no memory of writing this. Like, ah. you know, where you're like, oh, that's, yes, that all makes perfect sense. You totally have a handle on it, but you get so bogged down in the, just the insecurity of it all. Absolutely. And then you go back and check and I was like, oh no, I know how to do this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I get that completely because I literally had a reading that I did earlier this week for somebody. And it, those are often, are like such a blur to me. And then it gets done and you kind of sit there like, oh my God, we just did that for the past hour and it was great or whatever. But I've always had this thought that I really want to write a book about tarot and about, <gasps> yes, I really do. But I've always had this imposter syndrome of like either one of two things, either who am I to write a book like that? Because there's so many other individuals who've been doing it for so long, like it's oversaturated or like, what could I possibly add that's different? All those things. But then the other one is like, what if I don't have enough to write? Like, what if I sit down to do this and then I blank? And after that reading, I was chatting with my client on Instagram Messenger and we were typing more about the cards. And all of a sudden I realized I'd written like four paragraphs on like the, the, the tendons that connected these two cards together, like something kind of niche and kind of specific. And I looked over at my boyfriend, Justin, and was like, and I thought I couldn't write a book. <laughs> but like, you know, that, that, that I love those little moments of like, oh my God, that's so cool. I just wrote like all this about something that I didn't even realize I had something to say about. Absolutely. Well, and on that point, before we like really dive into this interview and, and, you know, get nitty gritty with the tarot, yeah. um, there's uh, something, uh, Liz Gilbert, I, I can't quote it perfectly, but uh, um, are you going to quote big magic? It's probably in there or it's in one of her podcasts or Ted talks or I've, I've consumed so much Liz Gilbert content, uh, that it's all just yeah. here now. But like nothing is original, like that doesn't exist. So yeah. that should be a big enough road opener for you to just do the fucking thing Yeah. because who cares? Like yeah. 
it doesn't matter if it's been done. It's never actually been done by you. So because of that, it's always going to be different. I cannot believe that you brought her up right now. That's so- I bring her up in every conversation possible. <laughs> I literally had a conversation about her this morning at my job in my morning, like my morning meeting. We were talking about, there's an episode, I'm pretty sure it's on Radio Lab, but I could be wrong, where she came and talked about creativity. And yeah. she talks about her speaking to her creativity in the third person, including when it comes yes. to her in the moments when she like, like I'm driving in eight lanes of traffic in Los Angeles. If you want to be put on a page, you come back to me in three hours. Yeah. Like that's such an empowering position to take of like, no, 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 it'll come back. You just tell it to come back and it'll come back. Totally. Or you tell it, you don't have time and it'll yeah. go find someone yeah. else. I'll link that podcast below. <laughs> it, that's such, it's such a good one. And I forgot that that podcast episode even existed and how much it meant to me until this morning. So that's why my jaw kind of fell open when you said Elizabeth Gilbert, because I haven't talked about Elizabeth Gilbert in like years. Synchronicity. Let's manifest this all right now. Liz uh, Gilbert yeah. is going to be a guest on season four. <laughs> it's going to happen. Let's do it. Oh my God, I would die. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and then Oprah will be on season five. It's fine. We'll be fine. I would weep. Literally. <laughs> What are the giveaways okay. for the episode? That's what I want to know. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. That would be a blast. To be able to do a Ouija board's Midnight Mark's favorite things on an Oprah budget. Time out. Let me... My animals tonight. One second. <laughs> I'm shocked that mine is behaving. I don't even know where he is. Kelly Red loves podcasting. She's right here. Really? Yeah. She always just comes and chills. Aww. She'll like alternate between my lap and my side. She's mine a good girl biting my hands the whole time but then she won't let me sleep so it's it's fine she's only good sometimes <laughs> does she stare at you hmm. when you wake up oh yeah and she like likes to pull things off the walls to get attention or to let you know that it's 5 a.m and she desperately needs to be fed right now the time is now yeah <sighs> i apologize you're good All, both of the cats are being obnoxious and then rowan has to start barking because i'm home alone so then he thinks everybody's gonna come murder me <laughs> everyone i appreciate but not when i'm recording we watch too much true crime for this don't bark <laughs> mm-hmm. okay so let's let's dive in let's, let's talk about tarot and let's start at the beginning a very good place to start However, you want to start this. What yeah. what was your introduction to tarot? What was the very first deck you ever got? Okay, so this is fun because this answer is totally different from any of the answers that I've given on our other episodes as far as where other things began. Mostly because I've I've started to remember things, which is such a weird thing to say, but I've started to remember things. And so for the purposes of this story, let's go back to uh, 20, a 20 year old me. And this was right around the same month, actually, that for those of you who don't know a little bit about my background, I was raised very Catholic. Um, Well, I was raised very Christian. And uh, Catholic is the best way that I would know to describe it because it's so, um, it's all about the liturgy and the ritual and the festivities and the the sacraments and the practices. It's very, uh, I lived in a huge basilica or we we built a huge basilica uh, in the Italian style And so right around that time was when my parents and I kind of parted ways and essentially we decided that it'd be best if we took our individual lifestyles to different places. And I was the one who was kindly asked to dismiss myself. See, Exeunt, pursued by Bear, um, for for you Shakespeareans out there. 
Um, yeah, so I ended up moving in with my ballet teacher at the time because I was dancing most of my life. But right around, I would say sophomore, junior year of high school, I discovered that it was a real way for me to find some individuality. And in particular, because I had my own car and I was able to drive myself to the studio and I was very close with the studio director. So she gave me a key. So that was just kind of my escape. I would just go dance like all afternoon at the studio. And through that process, I came, became very, very close with um, an individual named Megan, who has agreed to come on the podcast later this season, because we're going to talk about all of this. Uh, Megan was, I would say, my co-choreographer and dance partner. We danced together seven days a week. And we would do uh, like improv, our contact improv together, which is where um, you come together as two dancers and you basically just agree to remain in physical contact with each other at all times. And you can just dance together for like an hour and a half and all this create like you just, it's fun. It's very spiritual. It's very personal. So it's especially impactful when you can do it with somebody you trust or work with. So she and I were very close. And so when the time came for me to part ways to my parents, that was my closest relationship, uh, just in, in friendship and somebody who I knew and somebody who I trusted and who was going to look out for me. Cause I didn't have a lot of people, um, by design, uh, we were very insulated from the rest of the world uh, where I grew up. And in that, process, in that process, I got to start spending time with Megan and Megan's circle, Megan's coven, which I had never run into any sort of magical practice before. I never run into a witch. I never run into uh, a true tarot reader. I never run into anybody who works with chakras. And I remember one of our first nights hanging out, we were watching uh, Adventure Time. And it was one of the first times that like I truly belly laughed in my, I think my whole life. And I just belly laughed for like 15 minutes with them. And we spent out time outside under the moon. And I remember we were driving around and Megan was talking to one of our friends about how our mutual friend Augusta, who's an incredible photographer, was gifted at seeing auras and also at um, doing healing practices where you could lay on the ground and they'll use different crystals over your chakras to do energy clearing, basically Reiki essentially. And that was the first time where I was like, people really do this, like, like really do this. And I had this insatiable curiosity from that moment. It was instant where I was like, I need to know what this is. I need to be exposed to it. I want to be around it. I, I need all of it. I need, I need everything about it because I loved my spirituality as a Christian. I just didn't love the church and I didn't love the dialogue that I saw and I didn't love the exclusion of others. And I didn't love how divine had to look and feel and think like us. So when I found a new outlet for spirituality and a new outlet for that curiosity, it was like gone to the races. And that was when I started researching and studying and reading and investigating and uh, kind of expanding my circle of friends outside of who I would have normally just jumped at meeting and talking to and questioning before. Uh, and that led to my first tarot deck. Uh, I did purchase my first tarot deck. So for those of you who are adamant about the rule that your first tarot deck must be gifted to you, I broke the rule from the beginning. <laughs> but I, I couldn't so knew that was a rule until so did I we. bought several tarot decks. So. Yeah. I, that <laughs> is off one with that nonsense. Well, and we're going to talk a little bit about a lot of traditional tarot interpretations and uh, standards of behavior around operating the tarot, I would say, uh, in a second and how kind of that all got chucked out by the wayside for me. I just, I needed it. 
I needed it. I needed something that would inspire me and allow me to have really intense personal conversations with myself. And as a medium all my life, uh, and as somebody who tried to run from their mediumship for a long time, I doubt, I, I developed a lot of doubt, like instant doubt about everything, even things that like in the moment would, in like clairsentience or information that would download, instant doubt, it would get kicked out by doubt immediately. So it took me kind of like, no, I'm buying this for myself, I'm reading it, I'm gonna, I want to crack this wild thing open. I always thought that the tarot was like a wild animal in the most positive sense that we get to, well, I'm a wild animal and the tarot is a wild, you know what I mean? It's, it, I need yeah. somebody to meet me in the rawness of who I am and who I was and who I will always be. And I think a lot of people find tarot for different reasons. Mine was, it wasn't afraid to tell me the harsh real truths and also hold me and validate really difficult experiences. I needed someone to say, yeah, you're right. This is really, really hard. Uh, and that was enough to be like, okay, cool. I can do this. I just need a little assurance from the universe, from divine, from fate, from destiny, from whatever word feels most true to you. So yeah, that, that's when I first grabbed the tarot. And I'm, I'm kind of grateful that I started studying tarot, but I didn't really, really start studying it until I met Lindsay which is the soul tarot aspect that we've covered a couple different times and the difference between. So I really didn't have a lot of time with the more classic and uh, established instructions, which I think helped. I don't know, but I, that's, that's, where I, that's where it began. Yeah, really was it a traditional Smith Rider weight? It was, it was, I got a Smith Rider weight first. I thought that that made the most sense to really understand the, the quote standard before yeah. I started to layer other things on because that was one of my biggest fears. And I think that's true for a lot of people. 78 cards is a lot of cards. It's, it's a lot to, to process. And if you're anything like me, I'm the sort of person who doesn't want to read for anybody until I feel like I have all 78 ready to go in the back of my mind. I just have, I have very high standards for myself, which are ridiculous. But Capricorn. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that was one of my biggest, I was like, I, it'll take me so long to learn all this. Is this going to be worth it? And I ended up learning them all kind of by accident, which makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. From there, I really, <laughs> from there, I went kind of balls to the wall. I signed up for multiple eight week courses. I bought like 15 books and read them all. I was like, we're just gonna do this. We're gonna do this. And Lindsay Mack was really an incredible place to start to tap into some pretty raw emotions in me that I could pair up with the cards as a way to help me remember them. I needed either a life experience or uh, an analogy or I needed to go through my own life and find a moment that I felt most reflected that particular card. And so when I'm reading cards, I'm actually pulling from my own experience. And I always try as best I can to keep it super open-ended and, and allow anybody to be seen in it because if tarot doesn't speak to everybody, it doesn't speak to anybody. What's the point of that? If some people are represented in its, its interpretations and others aren't, you also lose a lot of faith in it as a healing tool. 
because you're, you're pulled out of it immediately. So for example, a, a big one that I choose to read a little differently from kind of some of the established is the suit of the pentacles because pentacles often have a lot to do with earthly possessions and belongings. And uh, there's just something very exterior to the internal journey that makes it really difficult to see a five or a six of pentacles uh, and just be like, well, you're going to have a, a win, a windfall, a landfall. You're going to make tons of money. Everything you want is going to come true. Uh, you're going to have huge successes. That's awesome. But if I also can't look you in the eye and tell you that I know that's going to happen, I feel uncomfortable as a reader. I want to be truthful and ethical and I don't want to be bullshitting and I don't want to be predicting. I just want to say what I know and what I see. So it helps me to use the pentacles as our soul's most precious belonging and that's its journey. So pentacles for me is the, the journey from one to 10 of somebody discovering that they have a soul calling, a soul journey, a soul mission. And then by the time you get to 10, which is what I pulled for myself right before uh, we jumped on this call, you discover at the end of that journey that you've grown this huge lush garden around you and you now get to fee feast and feed everybody around you from the garden that you've tended. And that to me is so much of a more, that to me is a much more approachable way to work with a pentacle than to just see and be like, cool, I'm gonna make some money. <laughs> Where, where's my money? Like, <laughs> I, I, I just find that to be, I feel like I'm lying to people if I was to read it that way, because I don't know that. And also that's, money is something that's developed uh, a reputation of being for the, the privileged and uh, for people who look a certain way or act a certain way are more accessible to that kind of uh, monetary value. And for some, they can't control what they do or don't earn or do or don't win. Or So I just, I want to speak to everybody. I think I'm right. I think that kind of goes along with the, the misconception of tarot in that it's like a fortune telling tool right yeah. like that's yeah. that's like the very pop culture understanding of the tarot and so it's really easy for a reader per se to be like oh well you're gonna make tons of money you know because right. of course who doesn't want to hear that right right um, you're gonna meet a handsome stranger exactly yeah, i think exactly. that's what separates like the i guess pseudo readers from people who are doing it in authentic ways is you're explaining, yes, you are coming into a sense of abundance, but abundance in a spiritual connotation doesn't always mean money, right? It means what you said, you're tending to a garden and now you're reaping the benefits of all of that work. And that in and of itself is abundance. Yeah. And it's also a crystal clear example of where uh, the values of the time were laid upon this tool. Because like everything else in the witchcraft path, well, not everything else, I rephrase that, like many things in the witchcraft walk, the society is, hmm, you're not as threatening if they can work their ideals into your world. And I think those are places where a, a very capitalist, um, a very capitalist structure, and a patriarchal structure was inserted. Now, I also want to pause here for two seconds because I also know that to sit and have conversations like these can be very difficult for some people to hear who have like a really rich history with the more traditional interpretations. 
So I always want to say too, there's nothing innately wrong with those. And there's nothing, I don't mean to sit here and challenge your belief system around the tarot because it's a very, it's a very, it's kind of an inflammatory discussion here. It's a little bit of a hot take. I think that the interpretations are correct. I just like to go deeper and be more curious with them. Okay, like what does this mean? What is the, uh, what is the pressure on this card to make it mean about money? Let's back up to the root. Let's get to like the real, the real core. And I try to be creative, uh, creative and curious around the cards that way. But there's nothing in it, like there's, you can continue to have a beautiful tradition with the tarot in what the Smith Rider Waite has kind of in a lot of the guidebooks you'll see. I just would challenge you to look for places where perhaps it's being a little bit patriarchal or perhaps it's excluding those um, whose physical bodies differ from the gender that they associate with on the inside, who they truly are at heart. There's a lot of places where there's no space for those individuals or for, um, for, for mothers perhaps who, who can't carry or can't give birth. Uh, if you, I was to talk about the empress solely as a pregnant woman, that would be very, very triggering to that individual if I didn't know that they were having like a really personal walk with something like that that's so hard. Um, I, I end up separating from my, from my client rather than engaging and bringing them in and making them see, feel safe and heard and understood. So I just avoid places where I can specify in a way that's not actually there, that's not actually in the card. I guess that's, that's kind of where I, where I approach it. And that's where I, I, I try my best. And I'll always catch myself accidentally slipping into a, a gender pronoun for some of the courts. Uh, and I'll try to catch myself and be like, when I say she, I don't actually mean she, I just mean um, this individual. And this is what I believe of them. And this is the image that they've given me. And this is the buzzwords that I have for them. Or this is the example from history that I can reflect that's kind of displaying this card. Yeah, it's a big- totally. It's a big, it's a big thing to talk about. Uh, and, and that's part of why I also will say this type of tarot is specifically soul tarot, which thank you, Lindsay Mack, for kind of putting, putting a name on it. I gravitated towards that because I'm a very sensitive person inside and I relate best to the cards in this very sensitive, internal, vulnerable place. And there yeah. may be others who have different personality traits who connect to the tarot in a different way from me. I think a lot of times too, we, when you're looking through that kind of gendered binary lens, you're, you're thinking like too specifically about bodies yeah. and not energies. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like something that hangs people up a lot too, because we all have multitudes of masculine and feminine energies that we can embody and, you know, that are within us and how those present, um, like spiritually for everyone is kind of different. So I just think it's, it's interesting how I don't, even in something, you know, like this, or even in a path where you try to be so open and inclusive and fluid, it's just, you've, you've always fall back into these patterns that we're always trying to unlearn. Absolutely. Um, so that's just a good reminder for me too, where I'm like, no, we're all, <laughs> we can be all of these things and yeah. these can represent all of us. And it doesn't have to be yeah, like a, a triggered traumatizing experience exactly. to have your cards pulled. <laughs> exactly. I, I, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, that's the, you hit it on the head. I just don't want anyone to come away. I come to my readings with the desire to do no harm and the desire to be a vessel. Those are like, and those are equal to me and do no harm includes, I want to avoid 
triggering or traumatizing my client any further than perhaps the card might be already asking the querent to be. If you like, because tarot readings yeah. are not always like, sometimes they can be prickly and challenging. And so it's not that I'm not afraid to go there, but I don't want to bring bring a journey into my reading that might not necessarily be associated with what the reading is supposed to be about. I also think that at its core, you can read tarot without a deck. I believe that the tarot is a ancient omnipresent energy that we all, every single human being on this planet has related to and connected with the tarot, even if you had no idea that it was happening. I believe that the energy of the fool is the moment before the big bang, the moment before the explosion of creation, that instant stillness, the vacuum, boom. And I think that there are so many places in life where the emperor, we've talked about this one before, it's one of my favorite examples, the emperor, the emperor is the energy of a mountain, this thing that's been asked to rise from the ground and a mountain doesn't cower when it's asked to be a mountain, it takes up the sacred space that's been given to it. And I think if I was to keep going, especially in the majors, so the majors are the first 22 cards um, of the tarot. And those are, they're like tidal waves. They're energies that are coming at us. It's a little, a little aggressive. They're, they're, they're coming towards us. And when we pull them in the tarot, it's our opportunity to recognize what energy is coming for us. And we have, we have the opportunity then to decide how we want to play with this wave. We may not be able to control whether or not it comes. It's coming. The tarot lets you know it's coming. And we get to decide, okay, do I want to wait here? And do I want to ride over the top of it? Do I want to dive under it and potentially get like bashed up a little bit in the undertow and kind of get swept into the sand, but we can laugh and we can brush ourselves off and we can run back into the water again. Do I want to dive over it? That's what we're invited to do with majors is they are forces. Um, they're things like time. They're things like the seasons. They just come, they come in their time. And uh, the courts, I believe, are 16 spiritual archetypes that we get to run alongside like a mentor and learn from them because they approach the world in a very specific way and they have something that's very specific to their archetype. For example, Knight of Wands. Wands in Soul Tarot is, oh, for many, for many, it's the, the fire element. But in Knight of Wands, it asks, um, Knights are a rhythm. What's our rhythm? Knight of Wands says, can you move in a rhythm that's completely on fire? So as an archetype, we get to run alongside this archetype that knows what it is to live. It's Marie Kondo. It's what would it be like to surround your life with nothing but joy? That's Knight of Wands. It's what would it be like to have everything in your sphere of experience just fucking light you on fire, man. And that's how I like to work with courts is they are archetypes I get to run with. And then... Um, uh, the one through 10, the, the minors, is more of embodiments. These are different things that I can choose to try to embody in whatever I'm experiencing. So it's kind of tidal waves, archetypes, and embodying. That's how I like to work with them. And I think that they're wild and exist far beyond any deck that's ever been put on paper. Uh, that's also why I think you could, like, sitting here right now, that's why Knight of Wands came to me. That was the one that said, hey, I, wanna, I want you to talk about me right now. That's reading tarot without a tarot. Uh, but I think that also gives power back to people. If you can just live this way, you can just live tarot. And that is so much more exciting to me than what it can predict about my future. That's awesome. I love that description. I think, 
um, it's such an empowering description of the tarot. I think so many people approach it with, with so much trepidation, fear. I don't quite know the right, um, word for that. And I think, yeah, recognizing that this is all like, this is life. This is life experience. You can just exist in this. That's so cool. You just, you get flashcards, you get, you get a cliff notes, you get a like, get out of jail free card when we're in those, because that's the other thing too, is a lot of people feel like similar to how you should never be given a tarot deck or you should never buy your first tarot deck. That's like kind of a, a, an old, old tradition. Uh, it's also that many people think you shouldn't come to the tarot when you're feeling emotional or messy. A lot of people in a, a more old school approach to tarot feel like your it kind of your hands should be clean when you show up to read where I like to look at it is like in, in the choppiest waters, it's my buoy. It's, it's that scene in the, I'm such a Taylor Swift fan. Don't mind me. It's in, uh, what is that cardigan? The cardigan music video when you're clutch, where she's clutching to her music to stay afloat. I clutched to the tarot. I remember my last breakup in 2020, my tarot for the wild or uh, tarot of the Holy spectrum from chase Voorhees arrived on the day of my breakup. And I literally just took that thing out of the box I didn't have the energy or will to pull it, but I did sit there and hold it for dear life. And I think Mm -hmm. that we cheat ourselves out of a potentially really deep, beautiful connection to the card. Uh, And like, I'm having so many things come to mind from what you're, what you've been saying. So I, and I get a little bit soapboxy about tarot. So I apologize. Actually, why am I apologizing? No, don't. But it's true. Like, but this is exactly it. We're, we're, we're taught from, a very capitalist structure that found its way into the tarot and it found its way to beginning to separate tarot from its people by making us feel bad or feel scared or apologize for these conversations, which are just so innately human to have conversations like this. I having so many things pop to mind that I'm like losing them. Uh, well, and I'm glad you bring that up too, because I think that it's kind of, I mean, I was always learning that you should come to tarot with quote, clean hands, like you said. Um, But I really appreciate your perspective on that. And I think that's something that happens a lot in spirituality and kind of why Cheyenne and I wanted to start this podcast in the first place was because you, spirituality is almost seen as like, you have to have like this, I don't know, like master Zen, like um approach vibration all the time yeah you you can't you can't show up where you're at and you have to almost have like this detoxification and this purification and and I don't think that's true at all right like it's it's about it's about meeting you where you need to be in this moment and through that that's where you experience the most growth and the most development and so I'm so happy you brought that up so that people can recognize that that's not the case. You can show up where you're at and that that's, that is spirituality. It's not this. I can give an example level practice. on that for sure too, because I would say that some of the most beautiful, tender, uh, honest readings that I've ever had have been on some of the worst days of my life. And Not only that, I remember I was in the middle of taking Lindsay's course, Tarot for the Wild Soul in uh, like in the heart of quarantine back in 2020. And I remember I pulled a spread that she had assigned us to try. And every single one was the cards that uh, both readers and uh, clients alike dislike the most. So that would be like three of of swords, um, five of cups, 
the tower, just some of these really spiny, um, sometimes perhaps a little violent feeling um, energetics in some of these cards. And I remember seeing them and just bursting into tears and jumping on, there was a form of social media that was included in the course. So that all, it was like 1200 of us from across the globe. All of us could connect and talk about our readings and uh, Lindsay would jump in and comment and share things and kind of a couple hours a day, she would be in amongst us on that social media platform because there's just so many people. But I remember tossing it in there and sharing it with everybody because I was so happy to see when I was having a really hard time that my card spoke to that experience. Because if I went and I pulled like gratitude, excuse me, gratitude cards or like the sun or like these ones that are like, uh, or even the emperor, like if I pulled something like that, I would, I would be pretty pissed. I would be like, what the fuck guys? Like, like, <laughs> and sometimes that happens, it does. And sometimes you have to like get over that. And well, actually, no, you don't have to get over that you get to work with that to find out what this is, like what's being asked. Um, but all that to say that in that moment, I was just so happy to see the cards speak to my pain. I just mm -hmm. wanted somebody to validate that experience for me. And sometimes that's all you need to get through the day is for a card to look you in the eye and say, yeah, I, you're hurting. I'm really sorry that you're hurting. Here are some thoughts on maybe how we could process this when you're ready to get to that step. But for now, I will just sit here and validate your experience. Um, yes, I love that you speak to the tarot as a relationship versus yeah. like this one-way feedback loop, right? And yeah. it makes me think of this thing that I saw on Instagram the other day that I actually had to tell my husband about because I was like, this is something we need to implement into our relationship. But the whole, um, if you're in the middle of something, let's say I'm, I'm venting about a horrible day that I had you know, and usually your partner wants to offer advice, but sometimes you're like, no, I just need you to just listen to me vent. I totally. feel like that's the same way, right? Like the cards sometimes don't need to just offer you advice. Sometimes they're there to just be that shoulder to lean on. And that's what you need at that point in time. Right. So yeah. I, I, I just appreciate that perspective. And, and also I, I feel that if you do see a card that triggers you in some way, or it's like, fuck man, I don't want to see that right now. Like that doesn't help <laughs> me. That what I will say is, and I, I think I phrased this in a way that might've sounded a little bit like in a way I didn't quite mean, and I just want to come back to it. You get to start with your human reaction to that card first. A lot of people feel like they need to be like, no, 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 like shh, get over that, get over that. She's saying like, my, my reader is saying something, he's saying something, I need to listen to this. Okay, that's awesome. Like that's where we want to be at the end of this chapter. That's where we want to arrive. But the rest of this journey is going to be us being willing to sit with the like, fuck, I, I don't like this. I don't want to see this. Like, this hurts me. This makes me angry. I, I want you to say something. I like, I, I, I don't want to see a joyful card or I, I'm having a great day. Why am I seeing the tower? Why are you going to mess this up for me? And maybe that reaction is more important than what the card is about. I get to sit with that anger. I get to sit, sit with that fear. Cause there's also a lot of, a lot of, I forget how much fear a lot of people have around the tarot, which I totally understand. I just sometimes forget because it's like a warm hug to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and, sorry. No, 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 please. Um, speaking to that fear that people might have. Yeah. Um, can we come back to the surface a little bit mm -hmm. and tell people, like, what is a reading like? What is a reading experience ah. like with you? Like, That's a good question you know, how many cards are you, what's a standard reading for you? How many cards are you pulling? I know a lot of people are like, 
the basics. Just the experience of yeah. it is, is frightening if you haven't, if you're going to get it done professionally, as oh. opposed to just like reading for yourself and your friends and learning on your own. That's also just to have to say, like, as part of this conversation, like if this is just a snapshot of what a reading is like with you, I would listen to you read a fucking cereal box at this point. Oh, like, you're so engaging. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Thank just like you. processing so much. No, Thank and you're you. apologizing for, uh, for having <laughs> ideas and going deeper and, and having things to say, but like, the passion is why people want to listen to this. Like the right, passion like, is why going. people, this is why people are going to book readings with you. This is yeah. why I love reading with you. Mm-hmm. My reading strategy. Okay. So I don't offer a huge ton of different options when it comes to booking a reading. And that's kind of for one specific reason. There's really two types of readings that I'm doing. And I'm, when I say two types, I'm talking like, like macrocosmically. So the first one is I tend to recommend that everybody go ahead and do 60 minutes with me and not half an hour because like we've already been talking for 50 minutes and like we could just keep going. And so when you, do, when you do, I know, when you do half an hour, it's really hard to get to anything of real substance sometimes. So people are really good at it. I'm not one of those people who's really good at, I talk and I talk and I talk and I talk. I'm not good at truncating myself. So half hours generally. Same. <laughs> So I tend to recommend that people do, at least if you're starting, and if this is your first reading ever, I tend to recommend that people do an hour. And what we'll do is I'll reach out ahead of time with like your Zoom link and all the information. And in that, I'll ask the client, is there anything specific that you want me to be looking for? Is there anything specific that we're uh, pulling for? And if they don't have any thoughts, sometimes I will ask them at the beginning of our reading when we jump on out generally our first conversation together will be uh can I ask a little bit about why we're here today what brought us to this moment what was the instigation behind your soul's desire for a reading and I also will sometimes say too like if you don't want to tell me anything and you want me to come like completely cold as a psychic I can absolutely do that and I'm happy to do that and some people do some people are like I would love to just see what the cards tell you so we'll generally start with that kind of conversation. <laughs> and then I like to give everybody about 10 minutes of really good, solid meditation together, just breathing. And if you're somebody who struggles with meditation in terms of like staying focused or mind wandering, because that there's so many people who don't find joy or peace in meditating. And I, that's, I want people to feel held in that experience too. So uh, I'll sometimes keep it as short or long as it feels they're comfortable with. Basically, my goal here is just to give them a buffer between the rest of the day, the moments that came up to coming together. I want to give you that second to, you paid for a session, and I want you to get everything out of it that you can. So I want to help you drop in, feel grounded. Um, And then once that's complete, I will go ahead and do my own kind of invocation as a reader. And that's essentially just me asking the universe I would like to be available to whatever information is in this client's highest and best, whatever's the best thing that I can relate to them today. I would like to be a vessel for that. And then I also ask their uh, entire spirit team to join me. So I'll ask their ascended masters, I'll ask their well ancestors, I'll ask their higher self, I'll ask their inner child, all their parts and, and pieces of self that are a part of this individual's experience, past, current, whatever it is. Um, big or small, sometimes it'll be like one person, sometimes it'll be literally an army of 50,000. It's very overwhelming. Um, 
And I'll just ask them to be present with me. And also having my client in a place of meditation or breathing or just kind of feeling relaxed uh, helps that process to happen because they're kind of giving me permission to, to try and, and ask some questions of the universe on their behalf. So that's kind of our prep time. Uh, generally about like 10, 15, maybe, maybe 20 minutes max just to get ourselves set and into a place where we're feeling comfortable to go to cards. Um, and that's when I will go ahead and pull a tarot deck out. I generally ask which one wants to work with which client. And it's funny, if you ask questions of things, they give you answers. We talked about this on the herbalism episode. It feels dumb. And I will hold space for the fact that it feels really <laughs> fucking dumb. It does. I like, I know it does to sit in front of like six, I, or I have like, I have like 15 tarot decks, sit in front of like 15, 15 tarot decks and be like, okay, who wants to play? But if you ask, you will know, like you will get a crystal clear answer pretty much every time. Um, and that helps because it, it helps me know what type of artwork is going to speak to this client the best because not all clients re uh, relate or react to things in the same way. So I try to pick whichever deck wants to work with them. And then I would say for an hour long session, a typical spread for me is about maybe between five and eight cards for just kind of like a standard spread. I tend to write a lot of my own spreads. And the only reason I do that, not all tarot readers need to or want to do this. I write my own because I got a really, really clear note from my guides that I was to always use spreads that I have written. Um, it's just a rule that they put in place for me. Um, I think it's also because I need to I need to be challenged and I need to constantly be thinking of fresh ways to ask new questions of the tarot. It's just what my relationship with the tarot is like. Um, so I'd say like between five and eight cards and we'll just go one by one and I will uh, look at the card first and I will share kind of how we've been sharing so far today about different things, the thoughts that come to mind, the images or phrases or words that get fed to me by the spirit team. And it's funny because I'll describe cards specifically to specific people with words that I'm told to use. And it feels silly too. They're like, use this word, use like finesse specifically in describing a card or something. Uh, and nine times out of 10, that will be the moment that gets a response out of the client. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe you. I've been seeing that image or I've been hearing that word everywhere or whatever. And that's just such a validating moment as a reader to feel like, okay, cool. We're, we're lined up together. We're in sync together. We're, we're walking forward through this reading as, as a pair. And then I'll give the, the client a chance to reflect on that card if they want to. I'll ask like, do you have any further questions on this card? Is anything standing out to you? Just helps me know if I'm connecting to the right information. Uh, and then generally at the very end of our session together, once we've kind of completed going through all of our cards, uh, I'll ask if there's anything else that I didn't touch on that they hoped we could. Is there any other questions you would like me to pull one additional card for or that kind of thing? Uh, and that's generally our hour. So that's my main, my main reading. My second one that I highly recommend as well for developing spiritualists or mediums or kind of anybody in this realm, I have everything that I just described with one additional element and that is my psychic channeling. And what I'll do is I'll take about an hour before we get on Zoom together to put myself into a deeper trance than I would normally. And I will ask my client's spirit team to come to me in advance and we'll go through my client's chakras one by one. 
And I'm a very visual person when it comes to medium or when it comes to meditation like this. And so I will literally see a, a column of all seven and I will see them all at different levels of brightness. And I'll start with the dimmest and I'll ask, um, I'll ask my client spirit team, okay, take me to the moment when this dipped. And essentially what we're doing is a form of Akashic record reading. I am not a full Akashic record reader. I am an Akashic record reader through the chakras. That's my access point. That is how I drop in. And so I will write down everything that I see, smell, taste. It's a very five senses experience for me. I'll scribble it all. I literally will actually have a pencil in my hand while I do it. It's kind of funny to see what it looks like because half the time it's very legible. And I'm just going, just going and going and going. And then I will bring that to our reading too. And I will bring up everything that I saw. And it is crazy how often you will have an experience in a past life that reflects in a particularly strong triggering reaction to something in this one. And when you have somebody say, hey, I found this very, it's quite often quite traumatic because it's often memories of how these past lives passed, how, the, how their lives ended. So it's definitely one of those that can be very emotional to do together, but you'll be surprised how often that will reflect in like a very strong jealousy or something that makes you insatiably angry and you've never known why. There's never really any reason why. Oftentimes it'll be like, a, oh, that happened. I, I, I knew it must have kind of thing. We're like, I knew something must have happened in this area to cause me to feel quite so... I was a very, very jealous person. And one of my past lives in an Akashic record reading with Mina from Your Soul Warrior, who's on the show a couple of times, uh, shined some light on that and helped it to be easier and more kind to myself when that trigger comes up. Because it's just, it's just my soul freaking out because it's been here before. Um, so those are kind of my two readings. We either will just really focus on the cards together and uh, just have a really... Um, a nice banter back and forth if that's what my client wants. Sometimes they want to be quiet. Sometimes they just want to listen. Um, and then the other one will be definitely more of an Akashic psychic channeling additional element that we bring to it too. So those are kind of my two main areas of readings. And that's kind of what they're like when you book with me. I'm curious as a tarot reader, do you let anyone else pull cards for you? I prefer to let other people pull cards for me. Do you? Okay. I actually know a lot of people who would call themselves professional tarot readers who actually say, uh, this was not always the case. And I do not believe this is the case for everybody. So if you're a really established reader and you have a beautiful relationship reading for yourself, um, I can read for myself and I do. And I get some things out of it, but I find that again, like my rule of reading with spreads, there's, I don't believe there are rules in tarot, but there are rules that have been set for me. I'm a very wild person. And sometimes I need rules set for myself. I can't get to my truest potential in a reading that I do alone. I need other people. I need other people in my life. And I think that's the one way that my spiritual path has uh, required that I have people in my life. Mina and I actually, I talk about Mina quite a bit. Uh, during COVID, we actually, she was writing a book and I was birthing my business and the universe actually told each other that we, the only person who could read for each other was each other. And so we would meet for an hour and a half, two times a week, trading readings every single week for like two months. Uh, and it was 
a real, real expansive period of my um, magical life. I really have so much gratitude for that experience, but it was the same thing. Mina's like, I need consistent readings as I finish this book and I can't read for myself. Will you be my like assigned reader as I finish this process? Um, so I can read for myself and I do, but I can't get, I can't get to the level that I can get with my clients myself. Be and I think that's for a reason. I think it's because I need other people who can voice truths to me. I need other people to be my sounding boards. I need other people to keep me in check um, and keep me in line because uh, egos are real things and sometimes they can get big. And I think little things like this in a spiritual path help someone like me stay grounded and stay rooted and stay where we need to be. Now, again, this is not everybody's experience. There are many others out there who I'm sure have beautiful experiences reading for themselves or prefer to read for themselves alone. Um, this is just the walk that I was given. I think people can relate to that um, who do struggle with meditation because um, I think there's always that question of is the thought that's coming to my mind my own or is it something that I'm receiving? And they question that, right? And it, it comes with practice, of course, but I think that's your way of having somebody else there to help validate. Yes, that is a thought that you are downloading. It's not your own, right? And right. you have that sounding board. And uh, you bring up a really great point. And this is something we chatted about with Lindsay on When Walls Can Talk. Hot take on this. Um, because I think there's many people who struggle with exactly what you just described, this feeling of, I feel like I'm making all of this up. I'm pulling these words and images and things just like out of thin air. And they feel a little bit like how it would if you were like drawing or writing or brainstorming or being creative. It feels like your imagination. And my hot take on tarot is that I think the muscle that spirit uses is the same. And that's mm -hmm. why I also believe that when you're channeling for people, say everything, say anything that comes to mind, because there's not everything is going to land. Not everything is going to be directly channeled. That's why I just say it, even if it feels stupid. Like, does this mean anything to you? Does Do elephants mean something to you? I'll always remember that story because I, I was like, I'm being like inundated by elephants in my head. Now. <laughs> and I had no idea that behind the camera, like she turned her laptop around and it was just a wall of uh, elf or of elephant sculptures because they had a really deep connection to an elephant and an elephant had stepped forward as their guide. And it was just a really beautiful connecting bonding moment at the very beginning of the reading. So say it, like, even if it feels silly, even if it feels like you're pulling it out, like, does this mean something to you? Worst, worst thing they can say is no. And we move on to the next thing, but you will be surprised the one it's the ones that feel ridiculous and absurd that are the ones that end up causing those moments. Um, yeah, I feel like there's one other thing that, about what you just said that I wanted to touch on. And now I don't remember what it was. If it's important, it'll come right back. What time are we at? 8.07. Do we want to wrap? Soonish, yes. Um, Shale, do you have any like specific questions that we haven't asked that you wanted to get to? Okay. Jeremy, I feel like mostly zero prepared. <laughs> I was just okay. ready to listen. <laughs> no, I kind of figured Jeremy would be fine. <laughs> Um, I have a couple like silly ones, yeah, um, but okay. I also want to make sure that like, is there something that you prepared? Is there something that you feel passionate about that you wanted to talk about that we haven't, that hasn't come up naturally? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I do wish that whatever that one little fleeting thought was would come back, but it doesn't feel like it's coming back. So I think we can move on. 
If it comes back out, I will. More coven chat. <laughs> right. What were we talking about? What were we talking about that I started responding to? Um, Shale, do you remember what? It was what talking about meditation and how um, you question whether or not thoughts are your own or yeah. if you're actually receiving messages. It's okay. We'll go. We'll go on. We'll go on. My hair. My God. <laughs> Deal with that later. Dude, I'm like, haha, guys. Like, these things. How did I not have these in high school? These things are the fucking best. Is it like get them, buy them? They're worth it. Is it for cold sores? It's like, no, it's for pimples. I was like, I have one right here. Hmm. You can get them at Target. They're called Hydro Stars. Okay, good to know. Oh, I thought you literally just took a, a gold star sticker and put it on your face. <laughs> no, it has real medicine on it. <laughs> medicine. But also, I would just wear a sticker on my face for no reason, so that's fair. You would, so, like, I wasn't really questioning it. <laughs> I didn't question it at all. <laughs> it's like, like, this is Cheyenne. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay, back to Jero. I, um, is there a particular card or, or like energy archetype is there something that like has been cropping up a lot for you lately is there a, a card that's haunting you um I would say actually I see what you did there I do see what you did there haunting you so for me it's the magician like okay. I've pulled the magician in every reading since our seance essentially oh wow like every time Unless I'm pulling a single card for the podcast, obviously. Sure. But we also pulled the magician. We did. For like our first episode of That's the podcast true. as well. So it's just interesting. Like, you know, when you go through these phases of one that's like, hey, you're not like getting it. Pay, pay more attention. <laughs> I had one that was following me around a lot uh, October into mid, late November. And we talk about it a little bit on one of the monthly Terror Magic episodes. And that's nine of swords which is very much the wake up from the nightmare and steady the body card do you want do you want nightmare card i'm gonna try to sell it but it's one of my favorites it crystallized so well so here's my thing about that's so fucking beautiful i can't (laughs) all right i'll cut that out (laughs) here's the thing about swords is and we've talked about this a little bit in our group chat is the sword cards visuals in the Smith Rider are extremely violent and dramatic. They're the most like black backgrounds and very macabre and very violent and very sad. To, to bar- <laughs> yeah, to borrow a word that we've used, triggering. And Lindsay dropped this knowledge bomb on me in I think the f- one of the one of the first two courses that I took, and she basically said, "Look at it this way." the images on the cards for the swords are not reflective of their actual experiences. What they are is a reflection of the terror that your brain goes through when you're put through each of these sword cards. So like 10 of swords where you're being asked to potentially leave behind um, a pattern of thought or a pattern of thinking that's out, out, you've outgrown it or it's hindering you now or like a story about yourself. To your body, that feels like pure unadulterated death and that's why ten of swords is this person in a pool of blood with all of these swords sticking into their spine it is your brain's interpretation of what it's being asked to do and uh, i think nine of swords is 
the brain is waking up from, it's that feeling when you're a little child and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're gasping for air and that nightmare bleeds into your waking reality. So your heart is still pumping, your palms are still sweaty, your mouth is still dry. Um, Mom's spaghetti, sorry. (laughs) And, And essentially what the card is actually asking you to do is, okay, what do you do now? Do you like pad yourself into the kitchen and get a cup of cold water or make a cup of tea? Or do you turn on the TV and watch something calming and then fall back? Like, what do you do? So your car, your brain is stuck in this image of the nightmare, of the terror, of the waking night, like the waking hell that you're in. But the card is actually about like, no, how do you go care for yourself? Like, how do you go take mm-hmm. care of yourself once that's over? Um, but that's one that was showing up for a long time. Uh, which makes sense because I feel like everybody is being stretched and expanded right now. And it's not always the most, uh, it can be a a painful, challenging process, but that was one that was showing up a lot is like, how are you taking care of yourself through this? Like, how are you being there for yourself? I'm actually really glad that you talked about the swords because I feel like I mean, I'm not as connected to the tarot, um, but I do love to get readings from other people a lot for myself. But anytime I've ever drawn for myself or have gotten a reading from somebody else, I almost always at least have one card, usually two in a spread that are always the swords. And I'm always like, what the fuck? Why? (laughs) Because they are like, they always seem like such a, a staggering thing. And And I was like, am I stuck in patterns? But when you explain it in that way, it makes a lot more sense. Cause I was like, I don't feel like my world is falling apart around me all of the time, but right. it just seems like something is going to be that way, or it, it's trying to tell me something is. So that makes a lot more sense. I think the swords reference brain chemistry and our ability to work with brain chemistry for our greater good, because it's, it's doable. The mm-hmm. brain has, the brain acts like it's doing all these things, but at its core, all it's doing is keeping us alive. And it has a lot of very sophisticated manipulation techniques in order to keep us alive, in order to keep us in what it knows to be safe. And so when you choose a spiritual life and you kind of throw caution to the wind and, and just kind of leap into the unknown, to, to coin a phrase, uh, your brain's terrified. It's absolutely terrified. It's like, you're going to choose to follow this inanimate, sentient thing that you've decided exists when I'm a like a conscious three-dimensional object inside your head. And so it gets very triggered. It gets really upset by that. And so what it'll do is it'll pull up these stories and these images, or it'll pull up memories and traumas from the past that it knows that maybe for just a moment, maybe just a moment, I can make this person stop. Because if I can make them stop and say no for just a second, I can get them back into the known. I can pull them out. It's why sometimes you'll be having these beautiful spiritual revelations. And then the next day, it'll feel like everything is going backwards. Everything is a mess. Everything's messy and pointy and spiny and icky. And what it is, it's your brain kicking and screaming saying, hey, get out of this. I don't know what's going to happen here. I can't keep you safe. And that's what I think the tarot helps us do is it helps amplify the little quiet voice of the heart or the little quiet voice of the soul or the little quiet voice of the divine inside of us. And at the end of the day, what I hope to do as a reader is have you walk away with enough ammunition in your quiver to fight the brain on its bullshit. Because Mm. I know that the best way to do that is to have somebody look you in the eye and tell you, or at least express to you in some way, a little bit about what you're walking through and enough to stay strong in saying yes to soul 
because that's that's where tarot is useful. It amplifies that little quiet wisdom that exists within all of us and helps us find a way to get through because the brain uh, the brain can intimidate emotion brilliantly brilliantly it can t- it can intimidate fear it can intimidate love it can intimidate or not intimidate it can imitate um and it'll use these imitations to trick you into thinking it is hard and that's the other reason that people talk so much about like checking in is this right for me is this an alignment for me is this cool great awesome let's go on let's do it but i think you'll find a lot of people who do spiritual walks try to check themselves and stuff like that all the time because the brain is a master manipulator and it's savage and it's cunning. And what I want you to do to walk away from a reading with me is feel like you have enough to speak to your brain when it needs it. To say, hey, hey, I love you. I see what you're doing here. I know what you're trying to invite me into, what stories you want me to believe, what memories from the past you wanna trick me into thinking I'm reliving or I'm back in that, because I don't think regression exists, but that's a hot take. I have what I need to say, nope, we're going to strap you in your car seat in the back seat. You can kick and scream and cry, but we're going forward. We're walking forward. You have, you get to come along. Like obviously you like your brain is, in, in, it's, you can't really get rid of it, <laughs> but we're going to gentle parent our brain. Exactly. Yes. And, and we're get we're getting back to swords here because that's what, that's what the sword suit is describing that journey of ace of swords is discovering that you have a kicking and screaming brain inside of you that if you guys can work together, can achieve anything. And that's what the ACE to 10 journey is, is somebody's, anybody, our own journey through the ups and the downs. In its essence, the tarot is every single archetype of the human experience. I think every single one is reflected in the tarot. I do not think there's a single one that's missing. And you know them. You just have to get to know them enough to recognize them. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> also, just to come full circle on that yeah. analogy, <laughs> back to Liz Gilbert. Yes. Um, because the strapping your you know brain into the car seat in the back seat is also in um she has a, a very similar analogy that she uses when she talks about fear and creativity. Yeah. Where like if you try to banish fear, like it's not gonna work. No. Fear is always there. So the yeah. more you try to to fight against it, the, the worse everything is going to get because Absolutely. you just, you have to accept that it is a part of you. It gets to come on this road trip. It gets to make zero decisions, but it's included and it's part of a family and it gets to come. Yeah. So it's, it, right. It's like, you don't let your dog drive the car. Right. You don't let your fear drive the car either. Fear no. sits in the back, can like be terrified and gripping their seatbelt the whole time, but we're still going forward. And it helps so, so much if we can recognize what it's trying to do because that's something we can work with. If you get, if, if, if I can empower you enough to recognize what like your doubt means, what your shame means, what it's trying to do, what it's trying to invite you into, that's so much, we can work with that. Like that's something we can sit down and do something about. And I, I also feel like if, if the tarot's not, I say this all the time, but like if I can't roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty in this, what's its point, honestly? And that's just my opinion, that's just me. Like I need something that I can work with in order for it to feel useful to me. That's, and that's why tarot has worked so well for me. And I think there are many out there that are the same way. I need a tool that I can get messy with. And the yeah. tarot is, is able to do that if you let it. Let's get messy. I know. I feel like I need to re-download the audible version of 
big magic and i'm gonna go listen to it again i, so I have funny. not listened to it i really want to oh you have, you, do the audio you should version. listen to all yeah. of her books on audio mm-hmm. her, her books were meant to be heard yeah by her specifically she's just got such a calming like asmr voice oh i would love that where you're yeah, just like yeah to- please make me feel better no her 19 minute her first ted talk is like that's what I go to on my dark nights of the soul of like, okay, in 19 minutes, Liz Gilbert's just going to remind me that like, sometimes life sucks, but pretty things still exist. And that's cool. And she makes it sound approachable or feel approachable. Like I can do this. Like I know yeah. I yeah. Can do this. Yeah. She's my best friend. I've never met. Yeah. For sure. She's, she's one of those Gilbert. heroes, right? I'm like, she's a hero that I feel like we could meet. Yeah. I do too. And it would, it would be okay. Yeah. We wouldn't ruin it. No, it would be fine. Okay. So what's our perwitchin? Perwitchin today after all of this. You have the perwitchin to just process. Yeah, there's so yeah, there's so much information here. I have a couple of different perwitchin slips. I have a very surface level, but like also not perwitchin slip of if you want to study the tarot and you feel a connection to this and a calling to this and you want to have conversations with yourself and greater understand your life, go buy a fucking deck. Yeah. Just it's fine. Get your own or send a friend a link and be like, Hey, I'm going to Venmo you. Yeah. Buy this. Send it to me. <laughs> Boom. Loophole. 2021 getting around. things. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget that nonsense. Can I give a little exercise to follow with that? for movie readers this is what I like to do whenever so whenever I whenever I hold a course the one course I've done um (laughs) when one of my favorite things to do at the beginning of a course especially if I have students that are like brand new that are coming to do like tarot 101 our first hour together will be shuffling through the deck and then pulling out a card and uh you can use this with any anyone that has artwork and again like we've said Tarot doesn't have to be on a deck, but this is just a good project for tarot with artwork. And hold it in front of you. And in your mind's eye, I want you to imagine the the edges of the artwork expanding past you. I want you to like imagine like you're stepping into the artwork. Let the artwork kind of envelop you. Uh, It's very Narnia-ish, like the painting from Voyage to the Dawn Treader. Like let that like just slowly expand, expand, expand until kind of in your mind's eye, you're like standing inside of the artwork in the card. And then ask yourself, what do I innately know? What do I see? What do I taste? What colors do I see? What feelings do I have? And write them down and then go to something like biddytarot.com or something like that, where there's like really good uh, base level information and compare what you read to what you've written. You will be shocked at how much you innately know about a card when you step into it and ask yourself, because a lot of people think they don't know anything until they do the project of stepping inside of it and asking what you know. Tay ride. She's like trying to climb the blinds in the last 10 minutes of this. <laughs> you were being so good until you weren't. Just a little exercise. Basically push yourself. You know more than you think you do. And you can literally know nothing and you will still know more than you think you do. Because Boom. one of my favorite things I ever did with a student is they literally told me what the card meant and they had never studied the tarot in their life. They just asked what the card felt like. What does it feel like? What do yes. I know? That's your other perwitchin slip, bitches. Just feel it. Yeah. Trust, trust your gut, trust your instincts. You know 
more than you think you do. Boom. Cheers to that. Cheers, witches. Mine's gone, but cheersing anyway. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm eat algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. Cheers.